0: And, boy uh, oh, I just uh, love the way those announcements work these days. I love that prayer. That was partially written by Brent. That was awesome. Yeah. He put in a couple of concepts. I really like that. I really like praying like that. And uh, also, if you ever miss an announcement or think, oh, man, that went by so fast, everything that was up there is in a bulletin in the back. So you can pick it up and get all the details if you absolutely need those for any reason. Well, oh, look at all those kids. Yay. Bless them, Lord. Bless Austin. May God bless you, Austin, <laughs> as you go into the lion's den. No, it's actually, they have a lot of fun. All right. So hopefully everybody has an outline by now. And I should say, God always has more for us, not less. One of my favorite subjects because uh, it took me a long time to actually believe that and actually walk in that. And, um, and one of the reasons why... Took me a long time as I just simply didn't read uh, the scriptures in the right way. You know, I read the thing like a storybook sometimes. You know, or like something. Well, I got through that one instead of really pausing and thinking about how God provides for people. You see in the scriptures from A to Z how God does things with uh, people in need. And then this passage, which is right at the top of your outline, and we know that in all things God works for the good of those who love Him, who have been called according to His purpose. What an amazing passage of Scripture. How many things would that be? All All things. God works for the good of those who love Him. So if you love Jesus, God is working together for your good. We've been called according to His purpose. Now that just uh, many times happens without us doing a thing. But also there's this little thing that comes alongside of it called prayer that God gives you so you can be a part of your own miracle. God loves to do things in pairs. He loves to do things together. He likes you to be a part of the blessing. That's what prayer is. It's part of what prayer is anyway, right? Lord, hallowed be your name. Your kingdom come. Your will be done. Give me this day my daily bread. That's a big one. I wear that one out all the time, right? And it's part of our responsibility. It's part of what we do, right? But behind it all, if God isn't working together for the good of all who love him, who have been making all things work together for good, who have been called according to his purpose, then, you know, it kind of gets shaky. But this puts everything on solid ground, He's for you, not against you. He's for you, not against you. Why don't we just say that? I'm going to do like a TV preacher. He's for you, not against you. All right. Oh, you didn't do that very well. He's, just say this. He's for me, not against me. All right, let's say that. Maybe a little more selfishly. Let's do it all together. He's for me, not against me. Still not very enthusiastic. I'm going to have too many old people in here. Do it again. (laughs) And I'm one of them, right? So, (laughs) he's for for me, not against me. Okay. So I saw some of you old people moving your lips, at least. That's good. All right. So we're going to go to the encouraging, blessing chapter known as Job. <laughs> and, <laughs> and the truth of the matter is, Job is one of the most wonderful books in the whole Bible. It's just that you have to sort of get past it, some of the things and understand it. Because some of the things in there are like are, sort of freak you out, you know, in the beginning, right? And as you move through the story. And, um, but there's tremendous blessing and bless, blessing here. And one of those lessons and blessings is God always has more for us, not less. So we read at the end of the story what he lost, but he gets doubled back for his trouble, doesn't he? I love that phrase. And we take it right out of Job. So let's just begin reading. In the land of Uz, wherever that is, there lived a man, somewhere in the Middle East, I assume. There lived a man whose name was Job. The man was blameless and upright. He feared God and shunned evil. He had seven sons and three daughters, and he owned 7,000 sheep. Uh, This is like, we'll probably translate this into a multi-billionaire, right, (laughs) or something. This guy was like a billionaire. Let's put it that way, all right? Put it in our terms. But this is the agricultural way of that time. He owned 7,000 sheep, 3,000 camels. That's a lot of stuff. 500 yoke of oxen, 500 donkeys, and a large number of servants. He was the greatest man among all the people of the East. Wow. So he's a wealthy, wealthy person. Put your, we know some wealthy people. They come up in the news. Think, think that, and that's who this guy was. His sons used to hold feasts in their homes on their birthdays, and they would invite their three sisters to eat and drink with them. When a period of fasting had run its course, Job would make arrangements for them to be purified. Early in the morning, he would sacrifice a burnt offering for each of them, thinking, Perhaps my children have sinned and cursed God in their hearts. This was Job's regular custom, because he knew if they did that, they would make themselves liable to the enemy. One day the angels came to present themselves before the Lord, and Satan also came with them. The Lord said to Satan, Where have you come from? Satan answered the Lord, From roaming throughout the earth, going back and forth on it. Then the Lord said to Satan, Have you considered my servant Job? There is no one on earth like him. He is blameless and upright, and a man who fears God and shuns evil. Does Job fear God for nothing? Satan replied, Have you not put a hedge around him and his household and everything he has now? I want you to pause for a moment. God put a hedge around him, his household and everything he had. Satan's challenging that. So before we go any further, does God still put a hedge around everything that you have? That's pretty good news, isn't it? So don't don't lose that in, in light of what we're going through here, right? He lost this hedge. It broke down. But there's a specific reason, as we're going to see. But this hedge is very, very real for the people of God. You've blessed the work of his hands so his flocks and, and this is what's like to have a hedge to protect. you blessed the work of his hands so his flocks and herds are spread throughout the land. It's God's blessing to bless you financially. It's God's pleasure. It's God's will even, I would say. But now stretch out your hand and strike everything he has and he will surely curse you to your face. The Lord said to Satan, very well then, everything he has in your power. But on the man himself do not lay a finger. Then Satan went out from the presence of the Lord. One day when Job's sons and daughters were feasting and drinking wine at the older brother's house, a messenger came to Job and said, The oxen were plowing and the donkeys were grazing nearby and the Sabaeans attacked and made off with them. They put the servants to the sword and I am the only one who has escaped to tell you. While he was still speaking, another messenger came and said, The fire of God fell from the heavens and burned up the sheep and the servants and I am the only one who has escaped to tell you. While he was still speaking, another messenger came and said, The Chaldeans formed three raiding parties and swept down on your camels and made off with them. They put the servants to the sword, and I am the only one who has escaped to tell you. While he was still speaking, yet another messenger came and said, Your sons and daughters were feasting and drinking wine at the oldest brother's house, when suddenly a mighty wind swept in from the desert and struck the four corners of the house. It collapsed on them, and they are dead, and I am the only one who has escaped to tell you. At this Job got up and tore his robe, shaved his head, and he fell to the ground in worship and said, Naked I came from my mother's womb. Naked I will depart. The Lord gave and the Lord has taken away. May the name of the Lord be praised. And all this Job did not sin by charging God with wrongdoing, which is pretty amazing in itself, isn't it? Wow. On another day, the angels came to present themselves before the Lord and Satan also came with them to present himself before them. And the Lord said to Satan, Where have you come from? Satan answered the Lord, From roaming throughout the earth, going back and forth on it. Then the Lord said to Satan, Have you considered my servant Job? There is no one on earth like him. He is blameless and upright, a man who fears God and shuns evil. And he still maintains his integrity, though you incited me against him to ruin him without any reason. Skin for skin, Satan replied. Evidently the accuser never stops accusing, no matter what. A man will give all he has for his own life. But now stretch out your hand and strike his flesh in bones, and he will surely curse you to your face. The Lord said to Satan, Very well then, he is in your hands, but you must spare his life. So Satan went out from the presence of the Lord and afflicted Job with painful sores from the soles of his head to the crown of his head. Pain of his feet to the crown of his head. Then Job took a piece of broken pottery and scraped himself with it as he sat among the ashes. His wife said to him, Are you still maintaining your integrity? Curse God and die. He replied, You are talking like a foolish woman. Shall we accept good from God and not trouble? And all this Job did not sin in what he said. Evidently, what we say counts in heaven. Evidently, heaven examines what comes out of your mouth. I think this is a broader concept, more... uh, a concept we shall we say, more in depth and understood in the East more than it is in the West, where words tend to be more flippant and, and uh, meaningless. But the truth of the matter is our words count. The, the demons of hell register them, and heaven registers them. Right? And so it's really important how we talk. And it's so important, he said, in all this, Job did not sin by what he said. So it looks like he's still in pretty good shape, <laughs> well, even though his life's a tatters. And I'm sure his wife wasn't too happy about any of this as well. What a horrible thing they both were going through. So if we look in this life of Job, there's some lessons we can draw immediately. And you can look on your outline. First of all, we are spiritual people operating under the influence of spiritual powers. In other words, things that happen around us actually have spiritual roots. It's so important that we understand this. In a secular humanistic culture... This is one of our weakest points. We have a really hard time with understanding supernatural phenomena. Our culture sort of organizes it out, right? And puts it maybe in some weird categories like superstition or something like that. But uh, especially when wealth comes and uh, there's a lot of financial well-being comparatively to the rest of the world, right? We have this tendency to uh, not understand that still no matter how successful, how how well we have it, um, or where we're at, we're under the influence of spiritual power spiritual authorities are affecting our life, and of course, I think I think we're um, right now as Christians in America, I think we're a little more sensitive to that now as we're watching with horror and seeing the things that are happening, the things people are trying to put on our country and and say about our country and do and We realize now, like never before, there is a devil and he is actually working demonic power through various individuals and situations and trying to ruin us, right? I think it's so important to understand that, you know, and uh, the scripture is very clear about that. But there's also a hedge of protection for those who serve God. We see this in these verses, right? Verses 9 to 12. Satan recognized it. Have you not put a hedge around him and his household and everything that he has? He's blessed He's doing well because of you. Oh, man. I just think that uh, one thing that's a weakness in my life, and I've watched it maybe in the church of a whole, we just do not say thank you enough for what we have. Oh, yeah. Just go and spend some time in another nation for a while, and I'll tell you why you come back thanking God. Amen. It's a real spiritual weakness. We have no idea how much we really have and how much we've been protected, right? And... Uh, And so there's a hedge of protection for those who serve God, but Satan tries to break through our hedge as the thief who steals, kills, and destroys. So God says, I came that they might have life abundantly. Right? And then it says the next part, but the thief comes only to do three things, steal, kill, and destroy. Whether you believe in him or are aware of him, whether you're actively in this battle praying for good to happen in your life, you must understand No matter how you believe about the matter, it doesn't make this go away. These facts go away. Sometimes in a culture where there's so much money and so much blessing, one of our weaknesses is that we are not aware of a real devil. We are not aware of demonic power circulating in and around us. And then when something gets stolen or something happens, it hits us twice as hard. Because we're not aware that the thief can come and steal, kill, and destroy. So we don't take precautions. We don't pray. We don't walk circumspect. And so sometimes I think when trouble happens, it hits us twice as hard because we're not equipped both in the negative to understand when negative things happen, but in the positive to understand that God is for you, not against you. and Whatever has been stolen can be paid. Whatever he tries to take can be paid back. And as we see in Job's case, double back. So whenever I lose something, I always pray double back, double for my trouble. It rhymes, right? So God's all powerful and good all the time. Even if we experience the loss of something good, God wants us to know, wants us to have more and not less. That's why this passage in Romans eight twenty eight at the top of your outline is so powerful. We know that all things God works for the good of those who love him, who have been called according to his purpose. Isn't it nice to be in that kind of management situation? It's amazing how we forget that. And I like the part where it says, in all things. He's working, in all things. Not just one or two or five or ten, you know, all things. Sometimes we have sacred areas where we've experienced so much defeat. I say sacred to the devil, actually. We've experienced so much defeat that we don't know that even those uh, those things could be working together for our good. Maybe some of you have been addicted to drugs. Maybe some of you have been in a situation with your family life. Could you consider something with me? The most important part of your life is not here, it's there. It's what happens after this life. And so sometimes trouble has to come just to lead us to God so that we'll live a life. But on that side of walking with God, he's not a spoiled sport. He doesn't reduce, he multiplies. As we'll see, even in this story, what did Job get? He got double for his trouble, except for his sons and his daughters, Right? He got one more of those exactly for what he lost because guess what? Your sons and daughters go with you to heaven. He'll see all all those will be together with him in heaven. The seven and the three and the seven and the three. So in heaven with him and we have to have that as heaven's perspective sometimes because that's the real perspective. That's the real understanding. So we have to understand heaven as it affects us on earth and then heaven as it affects a time when there will be no more time. Right? We'll be with God forever and ever. And that's the time we should be living for as well as this time. Unfortunately, in our culture, we lose sight of that. We have a a tendency to focus on the now and nasty now. We're very secular, humanist in culture. So that means you focus on now and don't think much for whatever happens later, especially in the afterlife. But what happens in the afterlife is where all the action is. That's for eternity. This is just for a few years, right? Jesus taught us there's a natural and a supernatural death. This is D on your island. And and life and life process. There's a in the natural and the supernatural, there's death and life process, right? So like for in the natural, the law of sowing. And so if you look at John twelve, it talks about a seed actually dying to itself so it can come to life, right? Or pruning, when you prune you know, I pruned some bushes, man, and I'm not really good at it, man. I thought that thing would never live again, right? I, I thought I completely <laughs> My, my, my wife looked at it and thought maybe she didn't say too much about that. Just to get me out to do some yard work is like a miracle. So I don't think she talks too much about my... But sometimes I prune some stuff and I'm thinking that sucker is never going to live again. <laughs> but it always springs back. It always springs back. And actually it results in better growth and more. When you get pruned back, when you, that's why you do it. So the, the, the plant will be healthier. So as much as we hate to admit it, our pruning back and our cut back places, actually not only does God repay us or give it back, but also we end up better than we were before. That's the whole point of pruning. The whole point of pruning is to have a lovely garden, a blessed life, not a life that I just endure when I'm cut back and then I just sort of, okay, fine, thank God we're back. No, no. It's part of a whole process of making your life better. That's why. And we know there are all things God works for the good of those who love him who have been called according to his purpose. You can't beat us. We're an amazing people. Because God's an amazing God. A, co- a God with a capital G. Even when negative things happen, God still uses it for good. He still has a way of turning it. And it takes a while sometimes, especially if you've been severely disappointed. Sometimes it takes a while to see the good. But God brings it. God brings it. In the book of Job, Roman numeral 2, we find... Job trying to manage his suffering and his loss. Then some of his friends (laughs) blamed Job's problems on his sinful behavior, right? So we see this in the book of Job. We see it in, uh, for example, this man Eliphaz. Think how you have instructed many and how you have strengthened feeble hands. This is uh, Job 4.3. And Eliphaz is talking to him about his problem. Your words have supported those who stumbled. You have strengthened faltering knees. You've been such a model citizen, such a great believer. But now trouble comes to you and you're discouraged. It strikes you and you're dis- dismayed. <laughs> Should not your piety be your confidence and your blameless ways your hope? Consider now who being innocent has ever perished? Where were the upright ever destroyed? As I have observed, those who plow evil, those who sow trouble reap it. At the breath of God they perish; At the blast of his anger they are no more. In other words, he's saying, Job, it's your fault. You've sowed something. I may not be able to see it, but you've been sowing something. You actually must have turned away from God. That's why this has come on you. Wow. (laughs) What a friend, right? In some cases that might be true. But this is not exactly the time to say that even in that way, right? But it wasn't true about Job at all. He completely missed it. He just assumed if you're having a bad time, that you messed up. Could I just say to you, and we'll get back to this in a moment, could I, could I consider, could you consider that it, sometimes you experience bad stuff because you're doing so well, because you're effective, because the enemy is trying to strike against you, right? But the thing is, there's always this counterstrike that the whole kingdom. You know, strike and counterstrike. But when God counterstrikes, He always brings more, not less. That's why the title of this sermon is "God has always more for us, not less." Even in the worst circumstances, some of the more we won't see till we get on the other side. But some of it, if you watch carefully your life, you can see how actually through this situation there are aspects of this that you can see even now, where this was for the better. It may even take a few years for you to realize. Some of you are in situations and you can't understand, but you'll see later. Some of you won't get that news till heaven. But Eliphaz was absolutely wrong. He sounded good, but he was wrong. Absolutely wrong, right? Verse 5, chapter 5, verse 17. uh, Blessed is the one whom God corrects, so do not despise the discipline of the Almighty. That's what he says. Blessed is the one whom God corrects. Do not despise the discipline of the mighty. In other words, you lost all your kids, lost all this, just embrace it. It was the discipline of God, right? It was good for you. Because evidently you must have really screwed up somewhere along the way, right? Sometimes trouble is not screwing up. Sometimes trouble comes because you actually have been successful. You've done a really good job. The enemy's challenging you, trying to take away what God's built. You're in a war zone. Many people live like they're not in a war zone. I wish it wasn't a war zone, but it will not stop until you go to be with Jesus in heaven. Then your war is over, at least to that place, right? I don't know what happens exactly in the eons, eons of whatever, however you measure time or not time, but anyway. So there's another character. His name is Billhead. You know, like, Friends like these, who needs enemies, right? I mean, that saying is so true, right? Bill had, then Bill had, this, so they're all trying to make heads or tails of this guy that was the most mighty, famous man in the whole earth, and they knew had been serving God so faithfully, and they're trying to make sense of it. So they figure, well, the only thing that must have happened is this guy screwed up somewhere. There's something he's doing that's like we can't see, uh, and he's trying. They're trying to get him back to normal, right? Then Bilhah had the Shuhite replied, How long will you say such things? Your words are blustering wind. Does God pervert justice? Does the Almighty pervert what is right? When your children sinned against Him, He gave them over to the penalty of their sin. Now it's even getting more serious. Furthermore, your, your children sin, and that's why they're dead too. Woo. Okay, now. Look at this. We're all looking at it and going, Man, this doesn't look so great. Because you know, we know the story. But I wonder how many of us have been in that place of giving platitudes to people, saying things that sound sort of scripturally there, but really weren't God's heart for you to say, and really isn't the truth of what God's doing, right? Amen. It's just that you go there when you actually have suspicions yourself that God's any good, <laughs> or maybe suspicions that God's not good all the time, right? Or maybe he left something out of your own life, or whatever. just assumed it's our fault or sin. But this person didn't do anything wrong, but there is a malevolent power, and this is all the more why we should be serving God. Because again, here's what the Bible says about him, the thief comes only to steal, kill, and destroy. So there's a malevolent power, supernatural power, trying to do that in the earth, over all of us, right? But if you, he says, Seek God earnestly and plead with the Almighty. This is Bill Head's take on the whole thing. If you are pure and upright, even now He will rouse Himself on your behalf and restore you to your prosperous state. Your beginnings will seem humble. Don't worry, you'll you'll get back on track. It'll be humble at first, so prosperous will your future be. Right? Again, same thing. He's the other guy said, right? Your sinful partner, your your sinful behavior did it. If you have Send. <clears throat> Let me go on to this. I want to go on a little bit further here. So let's just go to A. God and Job had a different opinion. All right? So here's what their opinion. In other words, they're saying this is what Job's state of affairs was. But this is what God said Job's state of affairs was. Look at Job 1.8 at the very beginning. Then the Lord said to Satan... Have you considered my servant Job? There is no one on earth like him. He is blameless and upright, a man who fears God and shuns evil. So this is a scary scripture on one side because he didn't do anything wrong. When we have problems, we always suspect, well, maybe we did something wrong. This, actually, this guy actually did everything right. He did so much right that God's bragging on him. And the enemy comes after him. And did God not know that he would come after him? Yes, he did. did it, was it shocking? Did God say, oh man, I shouldn't have said that. Man, oh man, did I mess up? Man. Now look what the devil's done. It's out of control and my servant Job's suffering and I gave him, oh my God. No, God has a bigger plan than that. He, he has these things. He, he works out, right? That's why again, We know that God, in all things, God works for the good of those who love him who have been called according to his purpose. Not the least of which, even we're looking at this, who knows how many hundreds, thousands of years this happened, and we're all talking about this guy now. (laughs) Think about that. All through hundreds and hundreds and hundreds, thousands of years of church history, and we're talking about Job, right? I think God had quite a story to tell with him. And so, God had a different opinion about the whole thing. And Job did too. He says, As surely as God lives, who has denied me justice, the Almighty who has made my life bitter, as long as I have life within me, the breath of God in my nostrils, my lips will not say anything wicked, and my tongue will not lies. I will never admit you are in the right, you yeah. eh, poor advisors, <laughs> till I die, I will not deny my integrity. If there's anything I did with my life, I kept it in integrity. I will maintain my innocence and never, Let go of it. My conscience will not reproach me as long as I live. May my enemy be like the wicked, my adversary like the unjust. So these guys, trying to sell him a a bill of wares and he ain't buying it. (laughs) He's not buying it, right? Which is really quite remarkable because I think all of us, when we think back our life, we can think of, you know, it's always like, because of the Spirit inside of us and also because of things we do, we, you know, we're always sort of sensitive to wrong things, right? But let me just say this, and I think this is a really important thing to say. It's something that's really helped me a lot. There's a difference between the Holy Spirit convicting you of something and the condemnation of the devil or even condemnation, your own condemnation, right? Because when the Holy Spirit's trying to tell you something, he's actually living, giving you the way out. He's offering to you in grace. And as you walk with God more and more, you can tell, you know, there's something here that, that, you know, the, the Lord may be trying to get my attention about something. But that's different than when the enemy comes because he only comes to steal and kill and destroy, to knock your block off. He has come, sometimes you can tell even by the ferocity of it, he's just coming to steal everything. Matter of fact, that's the hard thing about the devil. And when there's no resistance offered or when we just continue to sin and sin and sin and and ignore things, the the thief comes to take everything. He doesn't just come for a little bit. Oh, I'll just give a little part of my life, right? So in that sense, yes, there's some truth here. But Job's saying, you know what? I got that covered. And the great thing about believers is it's so wonderful. The cross goes before us. All the sins were put on that cross. And when you make a mistake, you confess your sins. And as soon as you say that with your mouth, He's faithful and just to forgive your sins and to cleanse you from all unrighteousness. The cross took care of it. And you don't have to have that condemnation from your neighbors, your friends, or from the devil himself. I know people that live under a constant state of condemnation. It just simmers beneath. They're they're never going to have a victorious life. They think nothing ever is going to happen to them because they suspect that just something's absolutely wrong with them, right? Something's wrong. But that doesn't have to be the case. Now look at this verse, chapter 42, verses 7 to 9. After the Lord had said these things to Job, he said to Eliphaz, the Temanite. Okay, now this is when God shows up, starts talking to everybody, right? And I want you to read this. I am angry with you and your two friends, because finally they're having this whole book of Job's about this dialogue they're having back and forth, you know, about the whole thing. And finally God shows up and he says, you know what, here I am, guys. Surprise, and I'm really mad. <laughs> because you've not spoken the truth about me as my servant Job has. See, they just assumed that all this bad stuff was happening because he had screwed up, he had messed up. But Job actually knew the truth. He said, I didn't screw up, but I'm suffering anyway. And he's mad at these people who are attacking him. And go, oh man, what a word from God there. Gosh, be careful how you put labels on people and how you minister to them. God is good all the time. God always has more for us, not less. So if you believe that with all your heart, then believe it for somebody else. Because when you minister to them that way, you can help them. Even if they're in the deepest, darkest sin, you can find a way out for them. But this condemnation, wow, it doesn't accomplish much. Matter of fact, there is therefore now no condemnation for those who are in Christ Jesus. Jesus. Well, what about when I'm not 100% good? Especially for not people, that, for people that are not 100% good. We just have to say, I did it, and I let it fester, and I let the enemy take advantage of us. But the overarching plan of God for your life is demonstrated in the cross. If Jesus shed blood for you. He's able to take care of your sin and able to put you out from underneath this condemnation. The enemy always works in this condemnation and tries to take ground that he has no right to. That's one of the biggest dangers of sin. The enemy says, well, that's an open door for me to come and steal, kill, and destroy. So you got to shut that door as fast as possible say, no, you can't come steal and kill and destroy here, right? That must have been a good point. All right. No problem, man. <laughs> After the Lord had said these things to Job, he said to Eliphaz the Teman. This is one of these guys that was supposedly Job's comforter, or helper, trying to get him in the right place. I'm angry with you and your two friends because you've not spoken the truth about me as my servant Job has. He had it right. You do not got it right. So now take seven bulls and seven rams and go to my servant Job and sacrifice a burnt offering for yourselves. Now look at this part. Here's how we know where Job really was at. My servant Job will pray for you Could you imagine he's lost all of this and he's got these guys yakking in his ear, being religious with him, telling him and trying to talk him out and trying to blame the whole thing, all the loss, all of it on him. Whenever you get blamed like that, whenever things come like that, beware, right? Beware first, okay, am I walking with God or approximately with God or where am I? But if you know Jesus... You can confess your sins in a moment and it's gone. This condemnation thing, this pouring things on, is the devil's scheme. It's his enemy. I don't care how big a mess, and I'm looking at a bunch of you and I know how big a mess you made over your lives. (laughs) And you know. (laughs) we got some real rascals in this room. But (laughs) you also know you're absolutely forgiven. You're absolutely in the clear. You actually have made peace with God. One of the ways I know you haven't made peace with God is you're here. I mean, you have made peace with God, you're here, you know. You're here. And we don't beat people up here. So you didn't come for a whipping, you know. You came for more grace, didn't you? In our worship, everything we do, we make sure we're, we're that kind of church, right? There are some places, i got to say, that people just expect to get whipped and they like it. I don't know. It's kind of a weird thing. I mean, I've watched people like that. I see it on TV sometimes. Man, How can people sit and listen to this? And I guess they just like the whipping or they like the spanking or something. It's mean, weird, right? All right. I'm angry with you and your two friends. God's speaking to these guys. Can you imagine what they're feeling like? I'm mad. He shows up. You guys, I'm mad. I'm angry. Oh, my gosh. I mean, almighty God shows up. I'm angry. They thought they were righteous in the truth and doing good work. I'm mad. So now take seven bulls and seven rams and go to my servant Job and sacrifice a burnt offering for yourselves. Look at this part now. Okay. So if I were Job, I'd be going, oh, wow, this is really great. This is good. Tell him, God. Tell him, oh, boy, this is good, you know. My Job, but then God turns to Job and says, my servant Job will pray for you and I will accept his prayer and not deal with you according to your folly. You've not spoken the truth about me as my servant Job has. Wow. So he's been wrong, but now God turns to him and says, I don't want you accusing them either. You pray for them. Pray a blessing over them. So even Job's got to make a turn, because he's mad. I am sure he's really upset. Now he's got to turn and be like God, and he prays for the blessing over these people that have accused him wrongly. Wow. What a lesson for us. That may apply to somebody in this room. I, I don't know, but that'd be just like God to do that kind of thing, right? Because nobody has a corner on righteousness. We always, we all sin with our mouths. We do crazy stuff, right? When God spoke directly to Job, he, sa- Job, he said, Who is this that obscures my plans and words without knowledge? So he's speaking directly to Job as well, right? So finally he, he deals directly with Job, doesn't he? Then the Lord spoke to Job out of the storm. He said, who is this that obscures my plans with words without knowledge? Brace yourself like a man. I'll question you and you'll answer me. Where were you when I hid the earth's foundation? Tell me if you understand. Who embarked off its dimensions? Surely you know. Who stretched a measuring line across it? On what, what's where its footing set? Or, or who set its cornerstone? While the morning stars sang together and all the angels had it for joy. He's just saying, Job, listen, I don't make messes. I clean them up. And I know you've been a little discouraged. And these friends haven't made it any better for you. But I want you to know I'm on your side. And even though you don't understand, I want you to know that I set this whole thing in motion. And when I made this world and I made you, and let's just say this, and when I sent Jesus, it was for your good. And we know that in all things, even bad things, God works for the good of those who love him, who have been called according to his purpose. Romans 8, 28. Both Job and his friends... This is B2, 2B2 or 2B1. Both Job and his friends obscured God's plans without knowledge, even though they poured out lots of knowledge about God. Man, they were just pouring out knowledge right and left. Job had his say. They all had their say about what was right and what was wrong, right? His friends were wrong. Job's pain wasn't due to his unrighteousness. Job was wrong, believing God had become unjust and unloving. Oh boy, that's an easy place to go, isn't it? I tell you, I think... Some of you that know enough scripture, like me and, and maybe you a know, number of us know enough scripture, we, we know that God's unjust, not unjust and unloving, but sometimes it's really hard to let that register in the inside of you. Right? You believe it with your head and your mouth, but something inside of you says, "This I just I remember really having a hard time coping with God. You know what's good about this? If you're in that place, just be honest and say, God, I'm, I'm mad at you. I just, this doesn't feel right. I, I, I'm, I'm upset. Job was wrong believing God had become unjust and loving. But I think it's okay to admit it and say, Lord, I, I think you're wrong. I, I don't know why you would even allow this to happen in my life, right? Both Job and his friends lost sight of God's love and his plans to transcend suffering and circumstances. I love this passage in Jeremiah 29. I won't read it, but he speaks to Jeremiah the prophet about what's going to happen in the future. And he tells him, man, I think I'll read it. I like it too much. I'll read this passage. The nation had been, was going to be exiled And he's prophesying this, but then God always has this thing for all of us. Even we're in exile for a while. It never stays that way, right? They weren't meant to stay that way. There was a purpose for which they went, right? Part of it was their own sin, and they were eating the recompense of that. But look at what he says about this in Jeremiah 29.10. This is classic. This is what the Lord says. He says, okay, you guys, you're going to end up in another land. I'm banishing you from the land. But look. When 70 years are completed for Babylon, I will come to you and fulfill my good promise to bring you back to this place. For I know the plans I have for you, declares the Lord, plans to prosper you, not to harm you, plans to give you hope in a the future. Then you will call on me and come and pray to me, and I will listen to you. You will seek me and find me when you seek me with all your heart. I will be found by you, declares the Lord, and I will bring you back from captivity. I will gather you from all the places where I have banished you, declares the Lord, and I will bring you back to the place from which I carried you into exile. Now, the thing about it is, this is all short-circuited with Jesus, I think. But even then, we're in a place, sometimes we put ourselves and we end up in by our own sin in a place of exile. But God always promises to bring us back. He'll get us back. And with Jesus interceding for us, it's, you know, who knows how many years it will take. But Jesus, there's a special place for believers. This not, wasn't even the case. And so Daniel the prophet literally prayed for 70 years this promise back to God. And they probably quit praying after six months in that dark place where they've been exiled, right? Daniel kept at it. We know for sure. He and a couple of his friends were complaining. He was looking for it. And when the 70 years came about, he was ready. He was watching for the answer. And when it happened, he was there and he responded And God began to send them back. What an amazing thing this Daniel was. He was keeping track of the promises of God. On this side of the resurrection, keep track of the promises and grace of God. Take those promises to the bank. All your children will be taught of the Lord, and great will be their peace. How about that one? And hundreds like it. God's actual plan for Job was more, not less. Roman numeral three, First, Job received a new revelation of who God really is. He, even Job, who had been so faithful, he received new revelation of who who God really is. And many times, I think sometimes we take these trips just because of, uh, of that, because God's showing us a new thing. He's actually showing us deeper love and more compassion. And guess what? When you get more compassion and deeper love, when you experience more with God, guess what? It spills out of your life and you're even better than you were before, right? Yes. Then reply, Job replied to the Lord, I know that you can do all things. No purpose of yours can be thwarted. You asked. He's speaking back to God after God's promise to, take him, to, to make the change. Who is this that obscures my plans without knowledge? Surely I spoke of things I did not understand. Things too wonderful for me to know. He was complaining about the affairs of his life, and he was upset and angry. And he lost everything, right? Surely I spoke of things I did not understand. Oh my goodness, can we just get a hold of this? You are under different management. All things work together for the good of those who love him. We've been calling to his purpose. Oh, aren't you glad you're not alone? You're under your own management. Yes, you have you have responsibilities, but in the end... All things, the believer, are working together for the good. God's a good shepherd. Yes, God. He's moving you to a new place even when you're in a bad place. Amen. Good news is on the way even when there's been bad news. You said, listen now and I will speak. I will question you and you will answer me. My ears have heard of you, but now my eyes have seen, in you, seen you. Therefore I despise myself and repent in dust and ashes. After the Lord... Oh, that's so good, isn't it? I, I just want to pause for a minute. Wow. Therefore I despise myself and I repent in dust and ashes. He's, my ears have heard of you, but now my eyes have seen in, you, seen in you. I heard, but now I've had an experience with you, God. And This whole thing has brought you back, and now you're better than ever. I think that's the way we need to come out of our troubles and trials. God is better than ever. God proves himself to be better than ever. That's why this passage in Romans is so powerful. And... Oh, so I don't know where you are in the middle of your trial. The beginning, the middle, or the end, right? Maybe some of you are just coming out and you're in the good place again, right? Where you can see things more objectively and see the blessing and see it. some of you maybe are in the middle wherever, but my ears heard of you, but now my eyes have seen you. That's where you're all going as believers. <laughs> I heard you were good and I can't possibly have seen how you would be good in this circumstance, but now you proved it again, you did it again. And you know, I think our whole Christian life, here's what I define as maturity. Going through enough of these downs and ups, ups and downs to get to the place where you say God you're good all the time. God you're good all the time. And This thing that I'm in I declare you're making all things together for my good. You're good all the time. And I will not lose my faith or my place with you. I will see the goodness of the Lord in the land of the living. That's what I call maturity learning to handle the ups and downs of life like that, right? Second, God gave Job the opportunity to release provision for himself by forgiving those who wronged him. He was really happy about everything. Up to The place where he's, when he comes to this revelation, he's got one more thing to do, <laughs> and it's a tough one. These guys have been accusing him. He's lost his kids and everything. And they're in his face saying he lost his integrity. And God's looking in his heart. And he says, okay, there's one more thing you got to do before all this provision comes. Can I just say this prophetically? You might want to search your heart about this. But there may be this one more thing that you have to do also, especially if you've come off of a difficult time, especially in a time when people have misused you or mistreated you or done evil to you. So look what he does. He can see God's seeing. He goes like this. After the Lord had said these things to Job, he said to Eliphaz, Eliphaz and the Tamanite, I am angry with you and your two friends because you have not spoken the truth about me as my Job has. As my servant Joab. So now take seven bulls and seven rams and go to my servant Job and sacrifice a burnt offering for yourselves. My servant Job will pray for you, and I will accept his prayer and not deal with you according to your folly. You have not spoken the truth about me as my servant Job has. So Eliphaz the Temanite, Belhad the Shuite, Zophar the Nimethite, whatever that is, did what the Lord told him, and the Lord accepted Job's prayer. So he got them all. They're humbled, and Job's the key. Job humbles himself. And praise for these guys that have misused him. Oh my goodness. For people that have abused you, God, you might as well give up. People that have been evil to you, it could happen tomorrow. It could happen three weeks from now or three years from now, but you will be brought by God to this place where you forgive them. <laughs> so you might as well go sooner than later and not have to experience more trouble. I know that sounds easy to say flippantly. This was no flippant situation, Right? But he's getting everything, you know, all in one thing here, right? He's dealing with Job. He's dealing with these guys about the whole situation, right? And in the end, their welfare depended on whether Job could find in his heart to forgive them and to pray for them. Oh, wow. So Eliphaz, the Temanite, Bill, the Shuite, and so forth, the Nabothite did what the Lord told him. And the Lord accepted Job's prayer. It wasn't that just they did this. He didn't have let them off the hook. And he did, just like God wanted him to. After Job prayed for his friends, the Lord restored his fortunes. That's a critical thing. I I just want to make sure I, I say this. If you're in a bitterness against any person, and you're trying to get back to some normal, and somebody misused you in a, a divorce, somebody's abused you in some other ways, oh, read this verse. When you make peace with that, look what it says. After Job had prayed for his friends, the Lord restored his fortunes and gave him how much back? Twice as much as he had before. Wow. I tell you, just let that linger in the air for a moment. <laughs> that is so powerful. Forgiveness is the key to many people's restoration. Grace for us sometimes, sometimes locked in the jail of unforgiveness and condemnation. Let me say that again. I like what I wrote there. Good job, Mike. This is, if you didn't see it, here, 2B2. Forgiveness is the key to many people's restoration. Grace for us is sometimes locked in the jail of unforgiveness. Matthew 6, 14 to 15. It's getting quiet in here. Matthew 6, 14 to 15. You're tired. Anyway. For if you forgive other people when they sin against you, your Heavenly Father will also forgive you. But if you do not forgive others their sins, your Father will not forgive your sins. So in this story, lots of forgiveness going on. Job's forgiving these guys and praying for them, and 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 God's letting them off the hook, right? And they need to pray and ask forgiveness for what they did. God's plan's for Job were ultimately to receive twice as much as he had before. The exact double receipt was a clear message to Job and to us as well, right? He got twice as much. God's a good God. I came that they might have it have a life abundantly. More, not less. More, not less. Job also received exactly seven more sons and three more daughters and double everything else he had and he didn't need to receive double the sons and daughters, because they were safely with God in heaven. But He got exactly seven do- sons and three daughters, and then everything else he had. You can just look at the verses and compare. Donkeys, camels, everything. It's exactly double. Is God trying to make a point here, or what? That's why we like to say, this is where it comes from, if you never heard me say, double for my trouble. <laughs> I always say it, I say it a lot. More, not less. So I'm going to go through my lesson, I'm going to go through this situation. I'm going to learn what I got to learn, but I'm going to finish on the other side of it. I'm going to be God's kid. I'm going to think like he does. I'm going to expect more, not less, because God's good. And I'm going to make sure that there's nothing in me pointing the finger at anybody else. I'm not going to lay in that place. I'm going to move from the devil's place and move to God's place. And let me just say something. You can't put a dress on a pig and make it look right. Dress it up however you want. Maybe some of you are a little bit mad over things that have happened recently. And so you dress it up a little bit, but you, never ha- you haven't let it go yet. Let the pig go. Let the pig go. Let it go. It's a pig. don't <laughs> no how you dress it, you're mad. You're angry. You've got unforgiveness in you. For your own welfare and for your own sake, the double is just right around the corner. There's always more for whatever's stolen from us. The thief comes only steal, kill, and destroy. But I came, what? That they might have life and have it abundantly. Okay, it got stolen, but there's more, not less. Always more, not less. I came that they might have life and have it abundantly. The other guy's the one that takes away, I add. Yes, and sometimes I may seem like, God, why did you allow this? Or why did this happen? Or whatever. But I'm behind it all. I am so big. I'm over the whole universe. I see the end from the beginning. Many stories in the Bible prophesied the more not less of what God accomplished through Jesus. And I just want to just turn to Isaiah 53. If you've never gone to these sections, Isaiah 53 and 54, they are so amazing. And I just want to read these verses, right? Kind of underlying what I've been saying. So this is about Jesus. This is a prophetic word about Jesus. Spoken hundreds of years before it happened. Isaiah the prophet's getting this revelation of what's going to happen when God sends his son. Isaiah 53 is about that crucifixion. It's actually, it's actually telling exactly what's going to happen. He was despised and rejected by mankind. A man of suffering... And familiar with pain. Like one from whom people hid their faces, hide their faces, he was despised, and we held him in low esteem. Surely he took up our pain and bore our suffering, yet we considered him punished by God. That was the whole thing. In Israel, well, he must have deserved this, because if he's God, he wouldn't have gone to the cross. Nobody ever considered that he would go to the cross because actually they needed forgiveness. They figured it out some later, but this was too big a concept. We considered him, hey, he was crucified. He wouldn't have died if he was innocent. Stricken by him and afflicted, but he was pierced for our transgressions, the irony of the cross. He was crushed for our iniquities. The punishment that brought us peace was on him, and by his wounds we are healed. More, not less. More, not less. Verse 10, Yet it was the Lord's will to crush him and cause him to suffer. And though the Lord makes his life an offering for sin, he will see his offspring and prolong his days. And the will of the Lord will prosper in his hand. After he has suffered, he will see the light of life and be satisfied. By his knowledge, my righteous servant will justify many. and He will bear their iniquities and so on and so forth. So this is all about the cross. And then Isaiah 54, which is the next chapter over, is all about what was bought at the cross. This is our side. This is the more, not less. Sing, barren woman, you who never bore a child, burst in a song, shout for joy. You who are never in labor, because more are the children of the desolate woman than of her who has a husband. Enlarge the place of your tent. Stretch your your tent curtains wide. Do not hold back. Lengthen your cords. Strengthen your stakes. This is what Jesus bought. This is the more Jesus bought for you on the cross. You may have some times, or it looks like it's interrupted, or, or, or tipped over, or messed up, but this is what... The cross bought. This is the abundance. This is the thing that speak of the more, not less. Isaiah 54 is a whole chapter. The chapter 53 is about what Jesus went through for us. Chapter 54 is what he bought for us. For you will spread out to the right or the left. Your descendants will disposs- dispossess nations and settle in their desolate cities. Do not be afraid. You will not be put to shame. Do not fear disgrace. You will not be humiliated. You will forget the shame of your youth and remember no more the reproach of your widowhood. For your maker is your husband. Wow. Your maker is your husband. That's how close this is. And he knows what he's doing. He knew you before you were created. He didn't just stop after you are created and say, okay, I hope he makes. No. Your maker is your husband. He's with you all the while. Even in the midst of the worst Horrible tragedy. The Lord Almighty is his name. The Holy One of Israel is your Redeemer. He is called the God of all the earth. That's what you get when you receive Jesus Christ, your Lord and Savior. You, Lord. You're not barren. Sing, barren woman, you who never bore a child. Burst in a song, shout for joy, you were never in labor, because more of the children of the desolate woman than of for who has a husband. Enlarge the place of your tent, stretch your tent curtains wide. Oh man. Job gets everything back. And double for all this stuff, and then one for every son and daughter he lost. God knows how to handle His people. Wow, I love these verses so much. And in verses thirteen to seventeen, I, I just love all your children. Okay, here's a prophetic word coming right out of Isaiah fifty-four. Listen to me, all you have kids that aren't doing so well with the Lord. They might not be in this state. They might be in this state. They might be in your family still. Or they might be far away. Here's what the spot at the cross. God always has more, not less. All your children will be taught by the Lord. I don't care how bad you screwed up. And if you're still screwing up, stop it. Just <laughs> say, God, I did it. I'm not doing it anymore. I'm on my way home. And the moment that happens, all your children will be taught by the Lord and great will be their peace. might happen even without you doing that. But I declare that promise today. Matter of fact, if you have a, children, a child that's away from the Lord right now, stand up. I declare over this assembly today, in the presence of God, in the name of the Lord Jesus Christ, all your children will be taught of the Lord, and great will be their peace. All your children will be taught of the Lord, and great will be their peace. I declare that over them today. All your children will be taught the Lord and great will be their peace. Amen. Let me just read a couple more of these good news verses, alright? In righteousness you'll be established. Tyranny will be far from you. You will have nothing to fear. Terror will be far removed. This has been a time of tyranny and terror. Don't buy into it. Do not buy into it. Be careful how you watch the news. Watch the news, but watch it with Jesus' eyes on. All things are working together for good for them that love the Lord and call according to his purpose. Don't get into the condemnation of it because you won't get wisdom. You won't find wisdom there. Even when they're saying the right things, you've got to be careful how you'll govern your heart. The king has an opinion. Make sure you have his opinion. Not just parroting the goodness and the righteousness or seeming righteousness of others and certainly not the evil that you can discern of others, right? Tyranny will be far from you. You will have nothing to fear. Terror will be far removed. It will not come near you. If anyone does attack you, it will not be my doing. Whoever attacks you will surrender to you. Is that actually in the Bible? Oh, the world. They're attacking the church again. What are we going to do? Look what they're doing. It's horrible. What are we going to do? If anyone does attack you, it will not be my doing. Whoever attacks you will surrender to you. Oh. Then I might have something to say about this whole thing. Right? I'm not helpless. I'm not hopeless. My. See, it is I who created the blacksmith who fans the coals into flames. You mean you created these ding-dongs that are attacking us and causing such problems and Making such horrible, said, "Yeah, yeah, yeah. I created the blacksmith who fans of coals and flame and forges a weapon fit for its work. It's I who have created the destroyer to wreak havoc. Oh. But none of this weapon, no weapon forged against you will prevail. You refute every tongue that accuses you. This is the heritage. This is the right. This is our right of the servants of the Lord. This is their vindication from me," declares the Lord. That's why you can stand up for more. That's why you can make your voice heard in the marketplace. And if you're hearing in the marketplace, I just encourage you to do this. Put this with it. Make sure you're hearing, you're being heard in the heavens. Make sure you go right to the top and work your way down. Some people I see do things without knowledge, without leading, without any kind of sense they almost relish to get into a fight. They're almost relish like, well, this is an opportunity for me to be God's person of action or whatever, but be spiritual at the same time you're trying to fight for our country or the rights or what is good. Be spiritual people. Discern clearly and make sure you are a person of prayer. Whatever I bind, right? Where it's happening on both sides, in heaven and on earth. I can bind things in heaven that are causing things that are happening on the earth, Right? And I can lose things in the heavens to lose things in the earth. This is the time for us to be prayerful, to take up our right, take up our place in God, to intercede and to fast and to pray because we've been given this kind of power and this kind of authority, right? Wow. What an amazing thing that is. I'll sit with that. Thank you, Jesus. Walking with Jesus, is in point four, is not just about this life. No one's left home or brothers or sisters or mother or father or children or fields for me and the gospel fail to receive. How much would that be? A hundred times as much as the, in this present age, along with persecution, you get that one, and in the age to come, eternal life. But a hundred times as much. You sow to God, you get a hundred times back, it's pretty good. I don't know. If persecution is supposed to come, we've been pretty lucky in the United States so far, most of my life, I haven't experienced much of that part, but I still get a hundred times as much in the present age, and if that comes, fine, but when we walk with Jesus, there's a high reward. Oh, yeah. Don't ever forget it, and don't let the enemy talk you out or condemn you out of it, right? The secret to Paul's ministry was this, power is made perfect in weakness. Even when he was weak, he thanked God for his weakness and the troubles he was going through because all he could see was this story. God's got more for me, not less. So here's how he managed to interpret the thorn in his flesh. Even if I should choose to boast, <clears throat> I would not be a fool because I would be speaking the truth, but I refrain so no one will think, think of me more than I is warranted by what I do or say. Or because of these surpassing great revelations. Therefore, in order to keep me from becoming conceited, I was given a thorn in my flesh, a messenger of Satan to torment me. Three times I pleaded with the Lord to take it away from me, but he said, My grace is sufficient, to you, for my power is made perfect in weakness. So he had been operating at such a high level and seeing angelic things and everything. He had this thing to kind of help him to not go into the wrong territory where the devil went with pride and arrogance and stuff. But the thing is, the verse is so beautiful. My Grace is sufficient for you. Power is made perfect in weakness. We're becoming better, not worse. We're walking in more power than we ever have. I know that as a church. It's like weightlifting. We've been pumping weights. The resistance has been more. But it's made us stronger, not weaker. We are better, not worse. We are moving forward now. I can feel it in my own spirit. I feel like I'm buffer. In here, right? Is that a word? Therefore, I will boast. Are you kidding me? This part I haven't gotten to yet. I haven't gotten to this part yet. I'm with you all the way, Paul. But I'll boast all the more gladly about my weaknesses, so that Christ may power may rest on me. I'm still working on that one a little bit, right? That's why, for Christ's sake, I I delight. I delight. Wow. So, Lord, I have a little bit more. i got to confess. I have a little bit more to go on this one. I delight in weaknesses and insults and hardships and persecution and difficulties. For when I am weak, then I am strong. Because God has more for me. He overcomes. He uses the weakness and the humility of the whole situation and it makes me even more powerful. And He blesses me even more. You just can't keep us back. You can't God keep God's kingdom back. What should we say in response to these things? If God is for us, who could be against us? I'd like us all to stand. I want to read as the last thing, Romans chapter 8. Lord, we thank you for these verses. Thank you that we're getting more, not less. Thank you, Lord, that you're moving us ahead. What I know I has seen, what no ear has heard, what no human mind has conceived, the things God has prepared for those who love him. I declare those things over us in eternity. And I want to just say these things from Romans chapter 8. Verses 31 to 39. What then shall we say in response to these things? All these things I've been talking about. What shall we say in response to these things? If God is for us, who can be against us? I don't care what you're facing, where you're going, what you have to do tomorrow or the next day. God's for you. And who can be against you? He did not spare his own son, but gave him up for us all. How He not also? Along with Him graciously give us all things, good things. He knows how to bless you. I came that they might have life and have it abundantly. He knows what makes you tick. He knows what will make you happy. He knows ultimately on the inside of you what you were made for. And He's moving you toward that place what you were made for to be that person. You may be going kicking and screaming. Don't do it anymore. Don't kick and scream try to stay away from the complaining thing. I'm more guilty than anybody. But, if he gave me Jesus, I would also along with him graciously give me. How many things would that be? All things. He says all things. It's radical. This is crazy. All things. Who will bring any charge against those whom God has chosen? It is God who justifies. See, we're in a unique place as the church in this day and time. Who can bring any charge against us? Who then is the one who condemns? No one, Christ Jesus, who died. More than that, who was raised to life and is at the right hand of God and is also interceding for us. Are you kidding me? Jesus is not only for me, but he's praying for me. And from what I can tell, his prayers always get answered and he's interceding just the right way by the will of God for me. Who shall separate us? neither height nor depth nor anything else in all creation will be able to separate us from the love of God that is in Christ Jesus, our Lord. Wow. I think that it would be a great time for some of us just to do a little business with the Lord as we worship. Sometimes I find it helps me even to just sort of come to the front and just say, uh, Lord, I'm moving from the space that I'm in and I'm going to move to you now. And I just want to thank you and declare these things that we just read out of the scripture over my own life. All things are working together for my good. Even these verses that I just read, Lord. I'm I'm declaring them in advance, Lord. Nothing can separate me from your love and, of course, your provision. No hardship, no persecution. I'm more than a conqueror. You know what it means to be more than a conqueror? I'm a loved son and daughter. I'm not just a soldier in the Lord's army. I'm a son. I'm a daughter. I'm the bride. I believe if you just take advantage of this moment, some of you can do some real serious business with the Lord today. And maybe we could have some of our ministry team come up. If you could come and agree with people in prayer about things that they would like to see. Could you just come up as well and just maybe face outward a little bit so people know you're going to pray for them? You could go to one of these people or you could just pray for yourself, but you would be, it's amazing how when two or three agree about anything, it does so much good. Maybe you might not even know, not know what to pray or how to pray, but you just need to know you need to do something. So let one of these brothers pray for you, brothers, sisters, when you agree in prayer. And if you're coming up, you might just have something specific in mind. Or if you don't, you could just come up and worship God and let Him cleanse you of all the condemnation and the stuff, right? Just come now. Do business with God. Do it from your seat if you want. Lord, I pray as we do this, I declare every prayer that's prayed here in this room. I pray you would give more, not less. I pray you would go beyond what they even ask or think. I pray you would help them in this time as they do business in this sacred space that now we have prepared for you. I pray in Jesus' name that as we pray to the throne room of God, heaven would move, situations would change, situations about our sons, our daughters, our children, situations about our money, situations about the grief in our heart, situations about jobs. And I just declare life from the dead. I declare things that we thought were dead, vision that we thought was dead, things that we thought weren't possible are breathing in life again. I declare the hope of God over us and the faith of God. As we worship and pray, Lord, in this moment, I pray you hear every prayer that's prayed, even the least little prayer that's prayed, just with the littlest of faith, because the thing is so daunting before them. I pray anybody that addresses anything in Jesus' name, I pray you would answer it, Lord. I pray you would come. Hear our prayers today. Hear our prayers this moment. More, not less, Lord. More, not less. Hear us today. Hear us today. And over our region, our area, your kingdom come. Over our government, the United States government, your kingdom come. God, I pray, God, righteousness would spring up. I pray you bring righteous men and wi- women forward in the government. We pray for our government like you told us to pray. Lord. We want more in this season, not less. We want you to turn the tide. We pray you would turn the tide for our government. Turn the tide for our nation. One nation under God, indivisible, with liberty and justice for all. God, you had men pen those words. And you are the only one that can enforce this. I pray, God, that this would happen, Lord, over our nation. One nation under God, indivisible, with liberty and justice for us all. We cry out to the heavens, Lord, that you would cause this to happen in our country, in our state, in our county, in our city. In Jesus' name. Let the good measure be poured out, pressed down, shaken together over your church, over your people in this time this treacherous time. We pray over every lost son and daughter. I speak to you in Jesus' name. Get saved, lost sons and daughters. You sons and daughters that are wandering. May the Lord find you today. Bring you back. And where there's been absolute loss of jobs and opportunity, I declare God's grace all the more. More, Lord, not less. New opportunities. Where there's been loss of housing or opportunity, Lord, bring it back again. This time, good measure, pressed down, shaken together. Double for our trouble like Job had. He lost everything and then got double back. I declare, double over you. For the trouble and the sorrow of your life, may the Lord bring double back to you as you cry out to him. Whatever the thief has come to steal, kill, and destroy, I declare... I came that you might have life and have it abundantly. I declare abundance in this house. In every nook and cranny of this house, every person, from the newest believer that barely knows how to pray to the one that's been at this a long time, I pray, God, you would hear us what we have to say today. Amen.